Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Father, open eyes, illuminate hearts. We give you the glory in advance for all that you do in each and every single heart of people that are listening and paying attention today. Meet needs, Father. Be real personal in each of our lives. And we give you all the honor and all the glory. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. And we all say amen. Now, about probably 10 to 20 percent of what I teach, uh, the Lord is is typically aiming at me personally, and and often I have a sense of you know what what peace is for me and and what peace uh, is more for those that are listening. But this Sunday is going to be a little bit different because I'm convinced that this message is about a hundred percent directed toward me and people like me. So we're going to cover a very, very familiar passage of scripture today, but don't tune me out thinking, well, you've already heard that. No, you have not heard uh, what we're about to dig into. So open your Bibles to Matthew 14 and 22, and uh, we're going to dig into God's word. Verse 22, immediately Jesus made, the emphasis here is on the word made. It means to uh, oblige, it means to compel, it means to force, it means to require. So this voyage was a requirement for the disciples to move to the next level, the next stage of their development in Christ. So Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. Has anyone ever had some things that, you know, the, the Lord was, was leading you to do, but you didn't really want to do it? You see, these men have been fishermen all of their lives, and they could feel in their bones when a storm was coming, uh, and, and they, they felt that there might be some trouble on that water. But Jesus was saying, go anyway. And all the best things in life are, are on the opposite side of our comforts and our fears. Jesus made his disciples get into the boat, and go before him to the other side. Now, Jesus had just fed 5,000 men, so there was probably at least that many women and, and, and probably quite a, a good number of children there. So this is a crowd, you know, probably at least 20,000 people or so. But he had just fed, uh, again, 5,000 men with two fish and five loaves. And John tells us actually some details that Matthew does not tell us. He says, after this miracle, Jesus' popularity began to just skyrocket. I mean, it soared uh, so high that people were literally trying to take him by force and make him a sitting king. And this would be in the place of Herod, in the place of Caesar. So it was a big deal. And I bet you people were pulling out weapons and, and maybe they were thinking, you know what, if, if we had a general that could feed the troops, you know, out while they're out, out on a, a march or something, man, we, we couldn't lose a battle. So, you know, imaginations have, have, have been engaged. Everyone is excited. And from a human perspective, this side of the shore it was pretty much as good as good gets. Jesus, at this point, was finally getting some of the recognition the disciples thought he deserved. In fact, the disciples thought, you know what? When he becomes king, we'll be in his, his cabinet. But what we see here is what was on Jesus' mind was not really what was happening on that side of the shore. Most of us would be quite impressed with it. What was on Jesus' mind was on the other side. And when you look back over 
your life. Make sure you can say you live the life you chose and not just a life you settled for. The Bible says he, while he was there, he, he made the disciples leave him while he sent the multitudes away. Now, I don't know how he did this. Did he dismiss, dismiss the groups by fifties and a hundred, hundreds the way that uh, the disciples fed them? Or did he just stop teaching and stare the people down and tell them to go home? I really don't know what Jesus uh, did here, but all I know is he did this without the help of a single person. And the strength of his personality must have been so immense that he could disband uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of, of people in a worked up crowd just by the force of his will. Jesus was nobody to play with. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. So he had given the disciples their orders now the only thing he could do is pray for their courage. And sometimes the only thing you have left to do is pray. You've raised that child, you've loved that child, you have trained and taught that child. Now all that is left is really between them and God. Uh, maybe you've loved that person, you've invested in that person, sacrificed for that person. But when it comes to them making up their own minds, all you can do is give it to God. So Jesus was on the mountain. He was by himself. And I'm sure he was praying in part for his disciples. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. So why does Matthew repeat the fact that Jesus was completely alone? Because it has significant importance. You know, what you do when everyone else is watching is one thing, but what you do when you're all alone really says a whole lot more about who you really, really are. And uh, you might be listening, Bishop, get me a little bit worried. What, what does this have to do with you? Well, well hold your horses and, and when we get to the next verse, you know, uh, uh, we'll, we'll begin to see. Just, just hang on. Verse 24. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea. They had come too far to turn back. And anyone grateful for how far you have come, but you're also a little overwhelmed by how far you have left to go. In this case, how far they had left to row. But the boat was now, at this point, in the middle of it. In the middle of the See, as much space was in front of them than was behind them. It's like, you know, they, they were in, in midlife, if you will. They, they, you know, it, it's, it's a real interesting perspective when you get into the middle of the thing. Now, they had the courage to leave, but the greatest test came in the middle. They were tossed by the waves for the winds were contrary. God told them to do it, and they did it. God told us to do it, and we did it. God told me to do it, and I did it. But then there were soil problems. There were legal problems, bank problems. In the middle, there were some fake friend problems, some morale problems, some contractor problems, a dozen problems I can't even speak of. And now we have COVID problems. And we took each wave as they came. We rode, we bailed, we even lightened the load at times, we repaired the boat, but still we were only halfway toward where we were going, and the wind 
was contrary. The waves were splashing. And everyone in the boat is saying, God, our arms are tired. In fact, we're so tired, Lord, our tired is tired. But here's the deal. God, we may be able to quit our jobs, but we cannot quit our calling. And you sent us into this sea. And we know that we didn't come this far to only come this far. Now, on the fourth watch of the night, not before their exhaustion, but in the middle of it, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. So this is after at least nine hours of rowing because the disciples were dismissed around evening time and, and you know, it's, it's, it's uh, late, the fourth watch of the night, so we know uh, quite a, a bit of time has, has passed. So nine hours of rowing, they are off course, at least they feel they're off course, but actually they're in, excuse me, in God's will. And they're, they're, again, nine hours of this heavy rowing, and that may not seem like a big deal to you, but get on your rowing machine for just 60 minutes, uh, much less 90 minutes probably where, where you're going to reach your breaking point. And I want you to think about how that feels. Now, multiply that by ramping that up to the highest tension possible, and you will get a sense of what these men were going through and what these men felt like. And if they quit, they would drown. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out in or for fear. These guys were so tired, they started to get stupid. Uh, they, they started thinking maybe they're seeing the, the, the grim reaper. Maybe this is what you see right before you, 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 you die. And it's... it's if things never get tough for you, it's probably because you never really tried to do anything very, very much in life. If God weren't up to something, the devil wouldn't be wasting so much time trying to fight us so hard. On Friday, March 12th, RLN is excited to have the founder of RLN, Dr. Derek Greer, for a free online session to lead a discussion on the importance of setting goals. Whether it's short-term, long-term, personal, or business, goals keep us moving forward and help us avoid becoming stagnant in life. This is invaluable information for leaders who want to see exponential growth in both their organizations and personal lives. At RLN, we provide access to top leaders and experts, in-demand information, and keys to obtain measurable results. So whether you lead in church, business, or otherwise, don't miss this free online session. Register today at rlnleadership.com. That's rlnleadership.com. And we'll see you Friday, March 12th at 11 a.m. You are listening to the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. Remember, you can access this teaching and more for free at gracechurchva.org. Let's get back to today's message. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them because they're afraid they're like okay is this the grim reaper is my number up okay you know what uh i know jesus sent me but it doesn't look like we're going to make it to the other side but immediately jesus calms them he says be of good cheer until we learn to look to jesus in the middle of it you're not going to come out of it 
You know, the devil whispers in our ears, you can't withstand the storm. But the warrior replied, I am the storm. And, and Jesus is absolutely amazing. And you would think that if he loved the disciples, he would have pampered them just a little bit more. If he really loved the disciples, they wouldn't have to face, you know, a, a challenge like this. He wouldn't have sent them into a challenge like this. But what God was trying to do is bring out the warrior in them. What God was trying to do was release the faith in them. What God was trying to do was to grow them and mature them into the men and women that they needed to become. And he said, be of good cheer. It is I. In other words, I, I know what happened. I, I, I've counted each and every way, but I am still God. You see, a lion doesn't turn around just because a small dog barks. For My Bible says, for our light afflictions is but for a moment, uh, and they're working in us a far uh, more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You see, you can't train for a heavyweight fight in a lightweight ring. And these men had to be ready for some real stuff. So Jesus sent them into a situation that uh, was, was pretty tense, but Jesus didn't leave them there. In the middle of it, if they would continue to look to him, they would find victory. And he said to them, do not don't do it, guys. I, I know what it feels like. I know your feet are wet. I know your arms are tied. I, I, I recognize what's going on, but do not be afraid. He was saying, guys, it's later than you expected, but I still got you. I am still God. I am still on the throne. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if, if it is you, he only had one question. Not why has the journey been so hard? Jesus, how could you send me into such a storm? Lord, how come there's trouble in my way? All Peter wanted to know is, Lord, is it you? And once that question is answered, all of the questions that need to be answered have already been answered. Watch what Jesus says. Well, he said, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, this is important because Moses didn't need a boat to cross the Red Sea. All he needed was a promise. Abraham didn't need to be young to have a baby, only a promise. Peter didn't need to know how to pick locks to get out of prison, only a promise. And we don't need half the things we think we need to get to the other side of our situation, only God's promise. He said, get in his boat, guys, and go on over to the other side. He didn't say, go and sink in the middle. So he said, Peter engage the Lord. He didn't give up on the Lord. He'd say, well, you're a bad Lord and criticize the Lord and, and this ain't fair, Lord. He said, Lord, if it's you, I need you to, to, to command me in this situation. So Jesus said, come. Now here's the question to you and me. In what universe should COVID stop someone from walking on water? When God says come. I don't care what is 
facing, I don't care what, what obstacles are in your way, in what universe does any surrounding circumstances have to do with God doing something as impossible as having us walk on water. It is irrelevant. The environment is irrelevant. All that matters is what God says. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, I have at different points been shaken because on parts of my journey, it seemed like my boat was going to sink. But that was part of my problem. Probably you did the same thing. You, you thought that uh, maybe a certain, certain people that, that started with you would end with you, and when they didn't, you, you said, well, 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 Lord, you know what? Uh, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't see it this way. I guess, Lord, you're not going to get me to, to, to where I'm going. Or, or maybe you thought a certain job would put you in a certain position, or maybe you thought a certain educational status would, would get you in a certain situation. But you're trusting in the vehicle and in the instrument instead of the one you should ultimately be trusted in trusting in. You see, God never wanted the disciples, pay attention, to put their confidence in the boat. He never wanted the disciples to put their confidence in Peter's rowing and John's rowing and Andrew's rowing, but in the God that told them to cross over to the other side. And he didn't ask us at any point to have confidence in our soil. Confidence in our lawyers, confidence in our banks, confidence in our friends, confidence in our contractors or anything else. All he wanted us to do is take him at his word. And Peter said, you know what? You're right, Lord. All I need is a word. I don't even need a boat. And Peter walked on the water to go to Jesus. And we have to stop sometimes trying to figure everything out. Just keep putting one step in front of the other and keep doing what he told you to do, what he told us to do, and we will reach the other side. We will reach our destination. Church, you may not realize it, but we are already doing it. I can't explain how. It makes no sense what God has done with this church. In spite of all the things going on, we are still doing it. But just 50 years ago, you know, scientists couldn't explain why bumblebees are fly. It just didn't make sense. Big old fat bodies and little legs and tiny wings. They didn't understand, you know, how their understanding of aerodynamics said that the bumblebee could not fly. But guess what? It didn't stop the bee from buzzing. And I might not be able to figure out how, but I see the what. And bless God, we are doing it. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, I mean, he was doing great. He was doing a great job until he tried to get logical in an illogical situation. You know, I have an analytical personality. I'm, I'm a thinker and, and I, I reflect. And sometimes I have to stop myself and say, cut it out, just move on to the next thing. But if I'm not careful, I will think myself right out of a miracle. And, and here's the question. Do we really think God has brought us this far just to, to leave us? Did Jesus tell them to go on to the other side and, and just leave them to, to their own strength and, and their own power? Watch what, what happened with Peter. When he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. Ever been 
afraid. I, I, I know about that. But the devil knows if he can get us to get our focus off God's word, he can stop us. So he does everything in his power to distract us. The storm was not really the problem. The storm was simply a distraction. Let's, let's keep reading. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And sometimes the short prayers are the best prayers. But if you look at this verse closely, Peter didn't really need to be saved from the storm as much as his own lack of focus. The real opposition is often not the storm, but its ability to distract and our unwillingness and inability to stay focused and locked in on what God said. And immediately, Jesus smacked Peter on the head and said, you know, what's wrong with you? No. He stretched out his hand and caught his distracted behind. And God will help us when we fall short. But let's at least fall short trying like Peter. And you could criticize Peter all you want, but Peter got out of the boat and the other 11 disciples just watched. And there will always be critics. And yes, sometimes you will stumble and, and you might even lose your, your balance a little bit as you step out on the things of God. But God, God's arm is not too short. God can still reach down and keep you. And at least you stepped out and endeavored to do something. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And Jesus rebuked him. He, 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 he's training him and he's, he's a good coach. He's a good leader. He said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? First of all, that tells me with just a little bit of faith, you can walk on water. It doesn't take as much as you think. But then he posed the question, dude, you were doing it. I mean, what does the storm have to do with walking on water? What does the environment have to do with your Miracle. If it's a miracle, it's a miracle. And he said to him, oh, you of little faith, you distracted soul. Why did you doubt? You know, today's mighty Redwoods was just yesterday's nut that held us ground and remained focused. So it's that little crazy person, crazy enough to believe, crazy enough to trust, that creates this huge, massive, gorgeous tree. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.